1: Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. US Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding and check out usbankcom credit card. US Bank credit cards are issued by US Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC.
2: This is the RotoWire Audio Draft Kit. Here are your hosts Peter Schenke and Chris Liss. Hey, this is the Rotowire Fantasy Football podcast. This is uh I'm president uh, Rotowire president Peter Shanky, along with managing editor Chris Liss. Uh this is a version of the podcast we're calling the Audio Fantasy Football Draft Kit edition. Uh, you go to your magazine. You, you go to your newsstand. You buy the magazine. You uh, download our draft kit at rotowire.com. You look at the rankings. You obsess it all. This is kind of an overview, a digital form, you know, in audio form here. As you're driving around, you listen to podcasts, that kind of stuff. Uh, it's recorded on uh, August 13, thousand seventeen, and all the cheat sheets and everything that we're talking about are available at rotowire.com/slash/twitter. Chris, this is the second time we've done it. Uh, as experts in this league, we're probably like what half, two thirds through our drafting season in terms of the teams we've drafted. Um, a lot of news since the last. I'm
1: like four fifths. I think yeah. I only have one serious draft left.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got a bunch more left, but obviously, most of our our listeners to this podcast are probably picking it up for the first time, or maybe they've done like a league or two. We've done a lot. Um, we did this a couple weeks ago. Let's start with some just real overall strategy. Any, you know, now that you've really gotten in the guts of drafting season, any train, any train change in the overall trends, you know, any 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 trends at all you're seeing kind of in drafts.
1: Not really. Right. I mean, because, you know, it's been a wide wide receiver friendly league for quite a while and wide receiver friendly scoring the way we set it up the last 10 years with PPR and three receivers required to start um, receivers are going early. But because last year was such a running back heavy year in terms of you know success, uh, people are still taking running backs early. So now running backs and receivers are both going early. So there's not really um, it's only receivers or only backs like it's. It seems sort of like a best player available type season, and then um, the QBs, as always, are incredibly devalued, um, and that's just that's not even a, a strategy anymore. That's just basic common sense at this point.
2: Yeah, earlier in the, earlier in the draft season, I think we saw a little more a little more going back to the running back compared to last year, which was crazy crazy wide receiver. Uh, 2015, uh, there are seven busts in the top eight, fifteen, or five of the seven running backs in the top fifteen of ADP were bus. And that was like a really high, you know, really high rate historically. Uh last year there were no bus. Um so people have got a little back running running back. It's kinda of lean back a little bit. Uh NFFC, National Fantasy Football Championship, uh which we're both in and we have uh beat uh Peter Shanke or Chrysalis teams. Uh it's about eight wide eight eight wide c- rec- eight running backs, seven wide receivers in the first fifteen picks, very very even. Uh, non PPR, looking at my fantasy league uh, ADP, it was four uh, wide receivers earlier in the in, in the draft season in July and early August. Now it's up to like six in the top fifteen, so it's still pretty balanced. It's not as crazy as it was last year when it was, you know, six, seven, eight, ten in the NFFC sometimes is high in, in the top fifteen, but. Fairly balanced. So I think, you know, I still think you can go wide receiver, wide receiver early. That's a viable strategy. Uh, you're not going to have the crazy inflation of last year, but not, uh, not as easy pickings as maybe four or five years ago when right. people it's, weren't, weren't as hip to that strategy.
1: Yeah, it's not cheap to get wide receivers. It's just cheaper than last year because there's more running backs sneaking in. But what I'm starting to see, or at least feel myself, is when you're on the end, when you're picking, you know, 10, 11, 12, and then early in the second, uh, you know, Jay Zai's already got a concussion. Devonta Freeman has a concussion. You know, Leonard Fournette has a foot injury. I mean, he wouldn't take him there anyway, but it's just pushing the running backs down. Like, there are now, like, fewer and fewer running backs that don't have some issue. And, you know, the idea of getting Melvin Gordon and Devonta Freeman at the turn is fine uh, in a vacuum, but when you start to get worried about them, you, you just want them to stay healthy, and that's the issue with running backs. They don't stay healthy, and you see that some of them are already banged up, and it just drives you to, like, Michael Thomas and Jordy Nelson. I don't even particularly like... Michael Thomas and Jordy Nelson as first round, you know, borderline first round, early second picks. But I end up taking those guys because I don't want to touch into the running backs that, you know, they're not the elite running backs and they're already coming with problems.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, um, Obviously, you touched a bunch of news. So those are the overall strategy things. Since the last time we did this podcast, and really the last time that if you picked up a magazine on the newsstand, we'll run through some of the big things that have happened the last few weeks. Before we dive into the news, I want to say that this podcast is sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Football. Yahoo Fantasy Football is free to play and easy to use on desktop or mobile with the Yahoo Fantasy Sports app. Sign up today at rotowire.com slash yahoo. Definitely check it out. They sponsored the podcast Uh, Let's let's just go over kind of. I'll run through some of the big items that have happened in the last you know three weeks of training camp. So if you you know got your magazine, hopefully it's a RotoWire one, but let's say it's not, and you're thumbing through the rankings, here are the big ticket items you got to pay attention to. First one, Ezekiel Elliott suspension. We put him on the cover of RotoWire. We're pretty confident that he wasn't going to get suspended, or if it was, it was going to be two games. He gets hit with a six-week suspension. How does that impact his value? How does it impact the first round?
1: Yeah, well he's. I don't think he goes in the first round. I mean, he has in some of the NFFC drafts, but there's an overall component to that, so I think it skews it slightly. Um, I just think six games is too much, obviously, for a first-round pick. But I think late second, he should still go, and I'll make that case if you want now or later in the podcast. But it definitely pushes everybody up one, right? If you take Zeke out of the first round, then now, you know, if Antonio Brown was four, now he's three. If Beckham was five, now he's four. And now when you're 11 or 12, there's just one you know, one more guy gone, before you pick. So, you know, it does push everyone up one slot. I, I still think you take Zeke at 10 games uh, around where you take Todd Gurley, DeMarco Murray, that area. Uh, and, you know, cause not only do you get 10 games of Zeke really nine cause week 17 is not going to matter, but you get six games of the replacement that you have in and you can't just look at his, you know, 10 game projection and say, okay, that's all the points he gets. He gets those 10 games plus six games of some replacement level guy And that, you know, when you add all those up, then, you know, he's at least like a Todd Gurley level player.
2: So the counter argument to that is the six weeks in my book are like the most important, right? I mean, fantasy football you don't know what's going to happen. Seven When he comes back in week seven, that Prescott could be injured. Uh, week, eight. Lost
1: three of their, sorry, week, week
2: eight. Week eight. Week eight, because there's a bye. When, you know, yeah. Prescott could be injured. Their offensive line could be, you know, three guys could be down. Uh, you know, it just could be an entirely different team, right? Their offense might be so terrible that they're down. I mean, their defense could be so terrible that they're down every game and thrown all the time. So, you know, six weeks is like an eternity. Seven weeks is an eternity well, in, in, in NFL.
1: you know, But and, at the extremes, it's not, right? So, like, say... You can go bet on a Patriots game Then in, in December right now. So the Patriots are playing the Jets. I bet you the line is like 13, okay? And if you think that's such an eternity that, you know, Brady may be hurt and, you know, and Belichick may have been jailed for something and, you know, it's it's week 13, you know, then just bet the Jets, you know, plus 13. But at the extremes, I think, you know, Vegas is confident enough to set a big line with teams like that. And I think it's the same thing with extremes with fantasy. Like, yeah, if you're taking, like, Dalvin cook or Latavius Murray and hoping that in six games you can like figure out which one's gonna be the guy that's gonna be problematic, but Zeke Elliott is the Unquestioned running back starter star of that franchise He uh, is going to be running behind at least a good if not great offensive line It's been one of the best offensive lines in league history over the last few years Obviously they could all get hurt. It's it's likely someone will get a little hurt It's not likely that you know two or three of them will all get hurt um, Prescott obviously could get hurt, but even so, it would be questionable that behind that line he wouldn't do well. McFadden two years ago, there was no Prescott. Romo was hurt. McFadden still averaged like 4.6 yards per carry running behind that line. DeMarco Murray was a monster behind that line three years ago. So I, I just I just don't see the uncertainty being an issue. I, I see the fact that you're basically giving up. You know, If you want to project it out in PPR about nine points a week uh, from Zeke down to Theo Riddick or whoever you use in his place – And, you know, that's a significant loss that nine points a week may swing two games, you know, instead of being four and two, you may be two and four. And that's, that's the risk. That's the penalty you're going to pay. The reward though, is uh, all you got to do in a regular 12 team league is be in the top six. You don't need to be the best team. And then you get in the playoffs and now you've got Zeke in the second round, right? So you, you already took Lev Bell in the first round and now you got Zeke at the end of the second. That's pretty good for your playoffs. Yeah, the, and then even more so in like an NFFC style where you need to dominate, you know, where you can't just win the playoffs, but you got to, you know, be the best team. Uh, you can see why those guys are pushing them up even higher. But um, I, I think if you if you start to push them out of the second round, I think you're you're emphasizing the risk too much and you're not thinking about the reward enough.
2: So the the only counter argument I'd make, and the biggest one, is that to me in fantasy football. The early games of your schedule are so much more important than the later games of your schedule. NFFC, it's a little bit different. There's an overall hundred thousand dollar prize. You know, you want to have that team that maybe just takes off at the very end to get you to be number one. I get that incentive. But regularly, yes, you want to get in the playoffs. But when you start out, you know, I don't, if you're going to finish the year seven and six, I'd almost rather start out six and zero and then lose seven in a row or something like that, because you have so much more equity in your team early on. You're you're able to trade your players. Your team's doing great. You can make moves. You have lots of options. Um, and you know, and then also you get to benefit from the middle to the end of the season when other owners aren't paying as much attention, right? You're on a roll and then you get to play these teams that eh, they start out 0-3, 0-4. You know, maybe they're not they're not if if not forgetting to set their lineups, they're certainly not out there actively like scouring the waiver wire and making trades and all that kind of stuff. So in most leagues, you have a big advantage if you start fast early. And when you've you know, devoted a, a second-round pick or third-round pick or a, a big chunk of your free, your free agent budget on a player who's going to miss the first seven weeks you know, with the bye week as well or six games, however you want to equate it, that's tough to overcome. You just, you just really start off with a real handicap, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is going to cost you. I mean, you can't, you can't project him. Like he's going to, you know, I would take him third overall in a if he weren't being suspended and I'm taking him at the end of the second round. So I'm definitely discounting him significantly. And we say, well, you're only discounting him, you know, around in three quarters. Well, that's the most valuable round in three quarters there is, right? Going from early seventh to late eighth is nothing. It's a dollar or two in an auction. Going from early first to late second is a 10 or $12 difference. It's a real, you know, I'm discounting him significantly, for the fact that he's missing games. And I hear you. I mean, there's a psychological thing where the teams that do well get more attention. The teams that don't do well, you kind of tune out. But you got to draft Zeke knowing that you're trying to get to 3-3 three and three in those first two weeks, right? You hope you draft a 5-1 and one quality team, and then with Zeke miss, you know, missing the games, you end up 3-3 three because three, I think it's about a one-and-a-half, two-game swing missing those nine points a week. Given the margins and the standard deviations, I think it's about that. I could be a little wrong, but I don't think it's you're, it's not going to make a six and O team 0 six or vice versa. Um, so you know, but two games is big, right? Four and two to two and four is is really big. So you know, you hope you, you draft a five and one quality team and end up three and three, or get lucky and go four and two. Um, worst case, you hope it's two and four and you can get out of it when you get Zeke back. Um, it may not be the ideal way to do it, but then again, a lot of second round piss, picks bust. Regardless, right? I mean, if you, I mean, Gurley was a first rounder last year, early second. But you know, there's tons of guys. If you look at last year's draft in late second, they just busted completely. Um, And so the idea that, well, maybe one of your guys is going to be bust for six weeks, not be available. Okay, fine. That's a risk. I mean, we can't treat like all the other second rounders like they're going to definitely hit. And so it's again, there's risk and there's a downside, which you pointed out. But there's also reward, which is when he comes back, um, he's going to be one of the most consistent. You know, for running back, no red flags in terms of durability um, and running in, in one of the best situations all of football. So I think that's where I draw the line. I think the people who are waiting till the third, um, they probably won't get him. And they're, you know, they're they're just looking at one side of the equation.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm probably not going to be taking him in any leagues that is ADP, even if he, even if he slipped a little bit more. But I, I see the case against it. The other big preseason news item, uh, Ryan Tannehill basically out for the season, torn ACL. They signed Jay Cutler. What does that do for your Dolphins rankings? You know, how does that change the players there? I know you were you were you know you were somewhat high on Tannehill in the passing game this year with Cutler in place. How does that work out?
1: It's about the same. I mean, I like Tannehill because he got seven point seven YPA under Adam Gase. Seemed like he finally had a real coach that understands offense in the NFL, and it was you know it obviously showed. And you know Jarvis Landry, who was this dink and dunk guy, was getting eight point seven yards per target. Devonte Parker had apparently turned the corner this offseason. Looks great. Kenny Stills got a new contract, still stretching the field. They signed Julius Thomas, who had 24 touchdowns in 27 games under Gase with the Broncos a few years ago. So everything was in place. Then Ajayi gets concussed. You know, Then Jarvis Landry could get suspended. We don't know. He's got a domestic violence accusation now uh, trailing him around. And then, of course, the main guy goes down, the quarterback. But um, you know, Cutler played well uh, for Gase in 2015 in his system. And I've always thought Cutler was a little bit underrated. I think he's the kind of guy that doesn't have a great attitude. And so when the Bears were a garbage team and the players around him weren't great, you could see him kind of sulking and not playing great. But um, with the coach that really knows um, how to get a lot of quarterbacks and a guy in Cutler who knows the system already, he's already up to speed and he's pretty good weapons around him. I actually kind of like Cutler. And if you're a total weight on quarterback person like yourself, Pete, that wouldn't be the worst guy to get when you know everyone's already got a backup QB and there's nothing left. I'd roll with Cutler. The problem is he probably won't play more than 12 or 13 games. He always gets hurt, but when he's healthy, sure, I'd be happy to take him.
2: Yeah, and he's going to go late in a lot of systems just because naturally his ADP and his default rankings and all that kind of stuff are going to drive his price you know way down depending on the on, on the system that you use. Um,
1: yeah, for sure. Uh,
2: okay, so the other the other quarterback uh, dilemma in the preseason is, is Andrew Luck, who. Had off-season sh- shoulder surgery, not supposed to be that big a deal. It's a slightly torn labrum. All of our medical experts that we talk to routinely on, you know, roto and write about him don't think it's a big deal. But at first, he's supposed to be fine for the beginning of training camp, shows up in training camps, says, I don't really know I'm going to be back. Maybe he's downplaying the issue. Now we're a couple weeks into the preseason. Week one, who knows? He's not off the PUP list. And, you know, there's kind of talk about, well, if he misses a week or two, it's okay. The Colts are having a rebuilding year. So the news seems to get – seems to, the buzz seems to get worse and worse each year, even though maybe materially not much has changed. What are you doing with Luck? What are you doing with the Colts players around him?
1: So I finally downgraded Hilton um, because I just – if I just realized if I were to draft and it's in that second round and I'm looking at Brandon Cooks or Hilton, I'm taking Cooks, right? I might have taken Hilton before. But the luck thing just makes me you know, nervous enough that I'm going to do it. But there's kind of a good note that came out. I don't know if you did this note for the site, but um, apparently luck's been throwing the football and his strength level is better than ever according to his GM. And it says it's a progression where he's not throwing as hard as he would like to because they won't let him, but that he could throw it harder. And uh, they're not saying unequivocally that he'll start the regular season opener. It'll be a borderline thing. But that seemed to be good news that he's throwing and that he could throw it harder, but they're just taking it easy. Yeah. So that, that's better than him not throwing, for sure. So that, that news is good. Um, I made Luck the number seven quarterback right now. So I have him right ahead of Mariota, right behind uh, Kurt Cousins. And, you know, it, it really depends. I mean, if you're in a one QB, 12-team league, absolutely. You could go as high as five on him. If you're in a QB flex league, you've got to drop him down, you know, maybe to 13. Because you just, you know, the risk is a lot more severe. And missing a game really costs you. But in a 12T, 1QB league, a standard league, who cares? Just pick up Andy Dalton and use him for two weeks.
2: Yeah, I mean, so my, my my thought process is, and I do cover the Colts, so I did write that note, and I thought that was, you know, kind of uh, a, a good nugget out of there. I mean, it's kind of a mixed bag of news where they're sort of, down, you know, keep downplaying expectations, but then if you look at the, his, his recovery, even though we're not seeing it, you know, there are he is doing more, and it's, he's not having setbacks, and they're trying to hold him back. So that sounds positive. It just seems so weird that they're being so coy. The other piece of info, information that I look at is that they really haven't signed a, a veteran backup quarterback. So if they really thought he was going to miss games, you know, they would have signed someone better than Scott Tolzien. And maybe, maybe they're just a terribly run organization. The new GM doesn't know what he's doing. But to me, that says more than anything that they think he's, you know, going to be fine, right? At least, you know, and maybe miss a game or two at most. And his price has gone down uh, to the point where. Like You said, you know, you could, you know, you can take him. I took him as what the the stake league, I took him as what seventh or eighth quarterback off the board. Um, yeah, that's where I that. have, yeah, and so you know, I think I even took him for less than that, eight, you know, or maybe it was eighth or ninth. Um, at that point, I'm fine, whatever, you know, I mean, like if he misses three games, four games, five games, if he comes back to being the player he was, you know, I'll, I'll mix the match a quarterback in, in the meantime. I, I think the value. Really, in in a lot of these leagues, especially like the high stake leagues and that kind of stuff, is taking the you know wide receivers and you know in, in the Colts passing game because they're going to get more you know equally as much discounted and even this a little bit high risk high reward if he comes back you know those guys are all going to be you know they're, I think they're going to be pretty good so you know whereas there's there's you know there's in the quarterback market you can especially if you're if you, if you in a flex league or a two quarterback league or something like that, where you really need the quarterback, then pass on luck. There's so many good options. But in the passing game, eh, it's not quite the same, you know, in terms of wide receivers and, you know, tight ends and that kind of stuff. So it's maybe a better gamble to try to take some of those players and hope that he comes back and plays all the games or just misses one or two.
1: Well, you know, if you're in a high stakes league like the NFBC, I mean, I could sign up for like 10 of them. I just don't want to manage them all. But a, a nice gambit is to take, you know, Hilton, say, later second, mid to late second, if he slips. And then take luck. Um, and then, you know, if the Colts D is as bad as everyone thinks it's gonna be, and they get into a ton of shootouts, you've got sort of, you know, maybe an eighth round pick in Luck and a you know, late second round pick in Hilton, or even maybe he slips to the third and you've got this major stack, right, of two players that can go off and you still get, you know, top two top picks. Um, so that's that's something. I'm not really a Moncrief guy. I used to be, but he's got the size and speed, but I just feel like he would have shown more by now if he was that guy. I know he's been a little banged up, but it doesn't explain why he's just never really developed. He's never really done it. Um, and I I just think he would have by now if he were going to, so I'm not very high on Moncrief, but I do think that, uh, that luck is worth a gamble, especially with how bad that defense looks like it's going to be.
2: So luck's other quarterback on the men. Other, uh, big news items was just some rare big name players being traded in the preseason. Sammy Watkins goes to the Rams. Jordan Matthews goes to the bills Um, you know, take each player. How how does that impact their value or in their ranking?
1: I mean, everyone's been talking to this to death, but I mean, basically, Watkins is obviously got to downgrade him for a little bit worse environment, new system, new quarterback to get acclimated to. But for him, it's always health, right? So I don't downgrade him that much. And in fact, in the NFC, he slipped like two full rounds almost. And I way rather take Sammy Watkins at his current price in his current situation uh, than at his previous price in his previous situation, because again, I think the main variable is not talent; it's health. Um, And so that doesn't change. He's just as risky as he was, but now he's a lot cheaper. Maybe the reward is slightly less on the Rams, but I still like it. Jordan Matthews, I bumped way up because in Philly, he was losing the job to Nelson Aguilar. They obviously had Alshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz, Torrey Smith. There were too many guys there, Uh, so I had him way down. Then I bumped him way up because, hey, he may be the number one receiver in Buffalo, but now he's hurt. Um, And it looks like kind of a serious injury. So um, it's like a chest fracture, but maybe it's just a chip fracture. So, could be available for Week One, but you know you don't want a guy in a new system already hurt. So, I had to downgrade him again. But I had liked Jordan Matthews a little bit until that injury.
2: Yeah, I kind of like them. I mean, I kind of like them both, especially if their value, I mean, their ADP and their their value falls a whole lot because they're going to be the main guys, right? I mean, they're like you know could be the wide receivers, the only game in town. They're going to get lots of action, even if even if the offensive environment is a little bit of a downgrade.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I That's why I initially bumped him up and would take Watkins at his current ADP.
2: Okay, so that's – those are kind of – to me, those are like the major news items that if you bought a magazine or something or you just weren't paying attention for the last month, which most of our listeners are – it's probably the case. Those are the things you really got to key in, key in on. Um if we're gonna go, let's just talk overall rankings here. You've kind of mentioned it a little bit before. We obviously have the big three running backs. Now we have the big two with David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell. One, two. Pretty much, no matter what format you're in. Um, if we're talking PPR here and look at the PPR rankings on Rotowire, it's that algorithm. Then after that, you got the big three wide receivers: Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, Julio Jones. Then after that, you know, it starts getting a little. I mean, you know, I think you can go lots of different directions. I think we'll see a lot of a lot of different combinations in drafts. You've got it currently as Freeman, McCoy, Melvin Gordon, Jai, and then A.J. Green, Mike Evans, Jordan Howard.
1: Well, okay, so that's well. the algorithm doing that? Like, yeah. if I'm drafting, I keep going on receivers. I go Jones, Green, Evans. Then I switch to the running backs.
2: Yeah. And you don't have Jordy Nelson in, in the – he got him as number 13, you know, just beyond Green and Evans.
1: Yeah, again, I would I would just do it by position, like if you really want to get the real thing. So, like – if you look at the receivers, you know, Jordan Nelson's number six behind Mike Evans. And, I, and that's, that's where I have him. Yeah. So all right, so that's just kind of like the overall, and you talked a little bit
2: about the first round before, but I just want to kind of, you know, go through it real quick. Um, if we switch to quarterbacks, and we talked about the quarterbacks, talked about luck, you know, obviously there's been a bunch of news. You still have, you, have, you know, you actually have, at least in, unless the PPR ranks out, you have Brady ahead of Rodgers. Yes. Which, I mean, you know, obviously Brady, Rodgers, Breeze, uh, you know, one, two, three, pretty much any format. Um what's the case for Brady being ahead of Rodgers this year?
1: You know, I just have this thing feeling about Brady that just the way, you know, they won their fifth Super Bowl, they uh they love to stick to everybody. They run up the score, they don't take him out in blowouts like a lot of teams would. They don't stop throwing till at least midway through the fourth quarter. They will still throw for a touchdown up 30, which other teams don't do. Uh and I kind of just have this weird feeling they're going to try to give him every, every record in the book just to like break everything. I know it's, it's speculative, but look at the personnel. I mean, they have Gronk healthy. They didn't have Gronk most of the year last year. They've got Brandon Cooks. They haven't had a receiver like that since Randy Moss. Edelman is still there. They still have Malcolm Mitchell, who was surprisingly good as a rookie. Um, Chris Hogan was good, and on a per play ba- basis, he was excellent. Dwayne Allen, who's a good uh, pass catcher and blocker, is their backup tight end. They've got three running backs who can catch passes. Really, the only non-pass catching running back is Gillisley, who I think is being vastly overrated, Belichick came out and said, you know, we want to have a lot of looks that are harder to read. We don't want to have a particular guy in the game where you know what kind of play we're running. So James White will get more carries. He's saying on early downs, he's going to mix it up so you don't see James White in there and think, oh, we know they're going to throw. But I kind of think their running game may be Brady throwing three-yard passes to the running backs or six-yard passes to Edelman or six-yard passes to Cooks that he takes for 12 yards. So um, I could see him throwing 650, 700 times you know, Rogers had such a great year, and obviously he does more with his legs, so that's, that's a big edge for him. But uh, on a per-play basis, he hasn't, you know, lit it up still the last couple of years. The receivers are getting older, and I just think the Green Bay with the two draft pick running backs are going to run it a lot more than they did last year. They basically abandoned the run, and Rogers just went crazy. Uh, it also coincided with their winning streak. But uh, I have Brady narrowly above Rogers. It's just if I'm drafting and I want to shoot for the fences, I just think Brady has that 50-touchdown season upside um, this season.
2: Well, we've certainly seen the Patriots put the pedal to the metal before with that kind of offensive psychology, so it could happen. Um, looking at your rankings, so after the big three, you got Cam Newton number four, Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, Andrew Luck, Mariota, Matt Ryan, Jameis Winston. That's your top ten. The one that stands out to me is Cam. He's at number four. If you look at the uh, NFFC PPR 12 team, he's number ten. He's a tenth quarterback. Um, you've got him a lot higher. What's, what's the case for Cam as is, is high as number four?
1: Well, first off – You'll look at you know where the number four guy goes to number ten. I bet there's a smaller difference in ADP between those guys the number four and number two. Definitely. Okay, so like
2: fifty to eighty. So it's it's a little it's a little bit of a range, at least in the NFL, the one I'm looking at. But I, I get your point. Right.
1: Okay. And then secondly, uh, Cam is the most mispressed player in all drafts this year. The ADP just got it wrong. Uh, you look at Cam. I think he owns two of the top seven QB fantasy seasons of all time. Two years ago, he had like the third or fourth best of all time. Um, just let's just review what he did. Two years ago, he had thirty-five touchdown passes and only ten picks, and he had ten rushing touchdowns, six hundred thirty-six rushing yards, thirty-eight hundred thirty-seven passing yards. It was honestly, it was one of the best. Q, it was the top three or four QB fantasy season of all time. And what changed last year? Well, he got hurt. Okay, that was one thing. Two, they played a first-place schedule. That was another thing. This year, you know, he's coming back from the shoulder, but he looks healthier, um, and he's certainly not playing with any sort of handicap like he did much of last year. Um, the year that he went crazy, they didn't even have Kelvin Benjamin. He was out with the torn ACL. Now, Benjamin is two years removed from that injury. You've got Ed, uh, Christian McCaffrey coming in. I said Ed McCaffrey, but his son. Uh, and going to add a lot of yards after the catch from the short passes. They drafted Curtis Samuel in the second round, so their first and second round picks were pass catchers. you got Devin Funches in his third year. Reports are good. Who knows? We'll believe when we see it. Greg Olsen's back and healthy. So, um, and again, the last play schedule, you get the Saints twice, you get some good offenses in the division where there could be shootouts. Um, this is, you know, Cam Newton is 28 years old, and he said, you know, I'm not going to stop running. He, he's not going to stop running. He doesn't intend to. And the fact, you know, last year it was him and Rodgers were 1-2. And I don't think anything has fundamentally changed about Newton. So I think that if you're getting Newton in with the 7th or 8th or ninth or 10th quarterback, is a steal.
2: All right, so I talked about your top ten. Uh, you know, I'm a wait on the quarterback kind of guy. If it's a one quarterback league, I mean, it's the, it's so deep this year that you know there's quarterbacks in the 11 through 20 range that I'm fine with you know, if I walk out of a draft with my team in week one. Uh, who's who? Who are your guys? I mean, who are your guys if you're waiting on the quarterbacks and you're 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 beyond the top 10, 12?
1: I mean, Andy Dalton's my guy. I mean, I think Dalton should be a top 12 quarterback. He's not by ADP. Uh, you look at him, he's a guy who's had seven point eight YPA in the MVP discussion a couple years ago, still had decent YPA last year despite Green getting hurt, the passing game collapsing around him. You had John Ross who runs a four two two forty, the fastest forty ever, to, to a healthy AJ Green. And you still have Lafell and, and Tyler Boyd who's taking the second round last year. You had uh, Joe Mixon in with Gio Bernard who's coming back healthy. You had a healthy Tyler Eifert for the moment, as we speak. He's not hurt. Maybe by the end maybe by the time this is uh, posted he'll be hurt. But he's healthy for now. Um, this is great weapons, a good quarterback, and you know, easily could be top seven. And he's getting drafted a lot later than that. So that's the guy I end up pivoting to if if I end up, you know, waiting on QBs.
2: Yeah, he's seventeenth in the in the, let's see, an MFL twelve team uh, standard leagues, um, and you know, I'm thinking one we weight on the quarterback. It's more standard league, you know, scoring. Uh, my guy's Ben Roethlisberger, who uh you know you, you only have him what projected to went to play what 13,
1: 14 games 14 yeah 14 games. yeah
2: so obviously on season long rankings he's going to take a big hit but week to week you know he's still going to be i think he could easily be top 3 top 5 quarterback all his weapons are back um when healthy he's is you know one of the top you know 3 to 5 quarterbacks but he's expensive in the last
1: 15 years he, with his 80 he gets drafted in the top 10 doesn't he
2: i mean i'm looking at you know a couple different systems here um, I mean, in NFFC, he's going uh, He's going number – let's see. He's the 13th quarterback off the
1: board. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, that's so well, that's uh, not eight, bad at eight, 13. Nine, 10, sorry, 10th quarterback off the board. Excuse me. If, excuse yeah, me if I like 10, opinion, ten so. gets a little expensive for him in my opinion. He's been awful on the road for three years. So you really need to pair him with somebody. I mean, unless you think that's just a fluke. It's three full years. I mean, if you look, look at his home road splits, it's like as drastic as anything you've ever seen. All his production is at home. On the road, he's like Blake Bortles. I mean, it's like a guy – not even. Blake Bortles without the running. I mean, he's been atrocious. Obviously, he doesn't run. He's been hurt so much, he's probably going to miss a couple games. He also thought about retirement. And I always get wary of a guy who probably should have retired, given the beating he's taken. And, you know, obviously, it's 14, $15 million. I don't know he's getting paid a lot um, to come back. Uh, and, and if that's the motivation. I'm Martavis Bryant's there, it's true. If, if you look at the projections for him and Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell's receiving projections, if they get anything from anyone else, Roethlisberger has to be a top-ten quarterback. Uh but I am uh, a little wary of him. But in a one you know, in a twelve team one QB league, sure. You can you can push him up into the top ten. Yeah.
2: I mean give me the guy who's got the high per game output. Um you know, unlike the Zeke situation, he's he's healthy now. He's gonna play the first six weeks, you know, and I'll figure it out right. later, you know, and there's and right. unlike a running back, there's lots of stuff that you can go to the waiver wire to and you know, at least get a, a somewhat decent, you know, decent quarterback the rest of the way.
1: So uh, he, And there's there's also an argument, you know, in a deep league with a deep bench like NFFC that that home road split for Roethlisberger is a good thing, right? Like you know you're going to use him at home every time he's at home. And then if he's on the road, you just evaluate the matchup and pick up Andy Dalton or someone like that and use him, you know, in, in his place.
2: Right, exactly. So, yeah, you can go any of those routes. I think it's it's viable in one quarterback league. All right, if we switch over to running back, we talked about David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell. Uh, rest of your top ten, Freeman, McCoy, Gordon, Jai. Uh, Jai Howard Murray and then Elliott and then Gurley um, you know obviously Elliott's really fallen a lot anybody else whose opinion you've changed in the last in the last couple of weeks based on preseason action or training or training camp
1: well I moved Fournette down for this foot injury that I think plagued him in college I was told and he wasn't quite as efficient in a senior and is not a senior or whatever his last year in college as he was in the previous year and they said it was attributed to a foot injury and that makes me a little nervous because um, you know, you don't want the rookie running back coming in with any kind of problem. And he's kind of day to day with it. They don't seem to think it's serious, but if it's a recurring thing, maybe it is. He didn't actually fall below Carlos Hyde because there's sort of a gap between the tiers. Um, but that was just something I noted. Another guy I moved down was um, Jay Ajayi a little bit uh, because uh, I just, I, I'm just nervous about the concussion. I mean, it's lasted a couple weeks. Usually NFL players, they get the concussion and they're back, you know, a week later. Uh, but that's not the case with him. And, uh, you know, I moved up Dalvin Cook. Looks like he's probably going to take that job, even though Tavis Murray's coming back to practice. Um, I moved down Joe Mixon a little bit because it looks like Hill and Bernard are not just going away. Uh, I moved up Rob Kelly. Samaj P. Ryan really struggled. He fumbled and he um, doesn't seem to be good at pass protection. And that's the kind of thing that kills the value of a rookie running back. So there's been a little bit of movement, not not a ton, but a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Winston and
2: – sorry, I mean, <laughs> Mixon, excuse me. Mixon and Cook are really the two guys that I think are the big you know, big potential movers in the preseason, the rookies. They could get the job. Um, I mean, Cook, the buzz on him early on has been that it's his job and he's going to take it and the coach loves it. Um, but I, it's only the first preseason game, but it was like the Vikings looked like the same old team as last year where they couldn't open any any, any line at all and he hardly got any you know rushing yards per attempt. That's what I'm worried about with him, less so that, that he's going to get the workload, which I think he will. I think eventually he'll take over from the other guys. Mixon, though, you know, the reports, I mean, is he really going to be the clear number one who's getting getting all the work, getting all the action? He's, you know, he seems like maybe have a better talent, but I'm just wondering wonder if he's going to get the workload in that offense. I mean, he's got some you viable know, backups or viable you it, know competitors.
1: Yeah, the the issue with him, I think, is, is he's so good— that they're just gonna kick those other guys to the curb. Like, you know, some guys just break down the door and there's no going back, you know? When Odell Beckham came in the league, Victor Cruz was there, well like for a week before he tore his knee. But even if Cruz stays healthy, you know, there was no going back once they saw Beckham. Uh, it was the same thing when Jake Reed and Chris Carter were starting at receiver for the Vikings and Randy Moss came in the league as the third receiver. It's like, he's gonna kick down the door. So if, if Mixon is one of those guys, it ends up being like a transcendent, you know, Adrian Peterson level back with pass catching ability, it doesn't matter, but if he's just good, then it does matter, right? Then those guys are there. Those guys aren't bad. You know, Bernard's actually really good. Hill had a bad year last year, but it was a lot of that was the offensive line. He's a power runner. He's only in his like third year or so, or fourth year. So, um, it just you know it just really depends on is Mixon the best running back in this class, or is he just a good running back? And that's going to make the difference.
2: Okay, so let's say you're going heavy wide receiver early on. You need to take some. Yeah, you, know, you need to take some running backs in the mid rounds. Who, who are your, generally your targets you're looking
1: for? Are we talking PPR or what? Let's talk PPR. Why not? Okay. Duke Johnson. Love Duke Johnson. Love the fact that he's lining up uh, as a slot receiver and getting tons of targets. I mean, if you get a PPR running back to just have like Cole Beasley's numbers, you know, 70, 70 catches, 75 catches, 800 yards, that's monstrous as long as he gets 50 plus carries. So I have Duke Johnson projected for 88 carries. You add that to, like, a normal slot receiver's numbers, that's just a great pick. Ends up being, like, a top 15 back at a a much cheaper price. So that's one of them. Um, Other guys, you know, again, especially if I have an Elliott or I'm going zero running back or one running back and and waiting on, you know, loading up on receivers. I love the Theoretics and Danny Woodhead's for cheap. Uh, Woodhead's getting a little more expensive, so I, I may push him down. I mean, I may pass on him. But just any of those guys, like, just get your 10 points per game. Big deal. You're loaded at receiver. Matt Forte is another one. He's just one of those old war horses that can't kill off. i still take Powell over him, but Forte is going so cheap. He's ostensibly still the starter in New York, and he's going to catch passes. So in a PPR, sure, why not? Um, going a little deeper, I want to gamble on Jamal Charles. I mean, Jamal Charles, two years ago, was going in the first round, mid-first round. And he plays like one game, then he tears his knee. Okay, that's unfortunate. The next year he comes back, which is last summer, and he's going to, like, the third round. He's coming off an ACL. It was during the season. It wasn't, you know, a 12-month recovery. It was a nine-month recovery. And people are still taking him, like, the third, fourth round. But then he's not really ready for training camp. Tries to go. Really can't. get sign line for the season again. Okay, that's bad. But it's not like he's lost it or he's done or he's a bad player. It's just he didn't really recover from the ACL and had to go back on IR. What if he's recovered now? What if the two years is what he needed and he feels like a million bucks? I mean, there's no – you know, C.J. Anderson is a decent back, but – if if you're getting something close to peak Jamal Charles with one last go round, that's going to be the guy. So I love getting him in like the 11th or 12th round. I just think it's a good value. Uh, and then you want to get as many guys as possible like Donta Foreman, the guy. You know I don't trust Lamar Miller. Pick up Donta Foreman. Um, I have some Jeremy McNichols. I don't think the Tampa backs are very good. Maybe McNichols uh, will end up getting the job and be good. DeAndre Washington. I don't trust Marshawn Lynch. The only problem there is there's really two guys with Jalen Richard. You, you you really prefer a situation where it's just one clear backup. So. Robert Turbin's another one. You know, I don't trust Gore to stay healthy or, or be any good, or even if he's healthy, he'll be just a total garbage. So maybe Turbin's the guy. Maybe it's Marlon Mack. But um, those are some backs I end up taking, you know, in the 10th to 20th round in the NFC's.
2: Yeah, the only, the only argument against Charles, and I would also say Marshawn Lynch, is just, you know, the career arcs for these running backs are so, uh, so short. And I know that, uh, you know, Charles had a longer career than most. But unlike baseball or some other sports where, you know, you take the guy who had the down year and his career slipped a little bit and then he's going to come back again. I mean, in football, it just, you know, when when, when you're done, you're done, right? I mean, it just, it goes away. And Lynch, and Lynch I mean, uh, you know, and Lynch especially, I mean, if you're going to sit out a year or two, I just think. You know, in, in the NFL, missing a, missing a year and not being in, in you know, football shape and all that kind of stuff, I just think, you know, that's just going to catch up to you pretty quick. And so,
1: well, he's going in the fourth round. I mean, that's a real, you know, I would never touch Lynch where he's yeah. going. I think it's crazy. But, you know, Charles is going in the 11th round. And so it's, it's cheap. You know, yeah, the, the gamble is, is cheap.
2: That's that true. The price is not going to cost you much.
1: Uh, for myself, guys that I want to wait on, that I'm picking up, uh,
2: Kareem Hunt. I mean, he could, you know, all the buzz and everything like that seems to think that he could take over the job you know, full-time there. Uh, I like Marlon Mack. I you know, love the guys there, another buzzy guy in training camp. But, you know, I think that ultimately if, if Gore were to get hurt or really just fall off the table, uh, he's more of a, you know, has more upside. Um, I like Alvin Kamara. Is that his name in the, the yep. Saints? You know, I mean, the Saints, he's got a whole bunch of other guys around him. He seems to be a PPR guy. They throw the ball a lot. Good buzz on him. He's not going to cost you much anything. anything. Um, some of the Oakland Backups. I mean, I don't really know. I mean, Jalen, was it Richard? I mean, yep. showed a lot last year. I know he hasn't been getting as much buzz in the preseason. Um, I'm, those, are the, those are some of the guys I'm loading up on. And, you know, my strategy is take wide receivers early, take a bunt, bunch in the middle, and then keep taking more running backs. So <laughs> Almost all my reserve players are running backs because, you know, running backs are scarce. And if one of these guys were to you know were to hit for whatever reason we talked about, whether it's injury or they just, you know, they busted down the door and they became the guy, and you've got good wide receivers – and suddenly, you know, Kareem Hunt and Marlon Mack becomes an every down player, and he's getting you know goal line work and uh, you know fifteen twenty carries a game. I mean, you've got a dominant team. So I try to load up on as many of those as I can. You can always jettison late, jettison them you know week four or five when you need to pick up you know an injured tight end or you know t- tight end because your because your starter's injured or somebody on a bye week that kind of stuff. So I try to load up on as many of these backups as possible.
1: Well, also, if, you know, when you do these 20-round NFFCs, you start to realize that there's lots of backs you like in the 15th, 16th round, but there's no receivers you like, right? There's tons of backs you could see doing something. Uh, and so you always want to get like seven or eight of those guys, you know, just have a huge stable of, of possibilities. Receivers, just because a guy goes down doesn't mean anything. If Andre Johnson goes down, right, it's not like Jalen Strong or Braxton Miller is gonna just be Andre Johnson. Like there's very little chance that they will be. But if you know Spencer Ware goes down, there's a good chance Kareem Hunt will be Spencer Ware. So the the you you really want to, as you said, get solid receivers and then speculate on the backs. The backs, there's a much lower bar to clear to replace the starter than there is at receiver.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's because the volume's going to be there,
1: and volume is so important to their... Volume, but also skill. Receiver just takes more skill, I think. You know, you can't just replace the number one receiver with whoever's left. You know, know, if Des Bryant goes down, Terrence Williams does not become Des Bryant, right? Like, nobody's going to be... They'll they'll bump him up a little bit, but they're not going to be, like, scrambling all over themselves to get... Terrence Williams the way they would with McFadden if Zeke were out for the whole year.
2: Yeah. And we see that reflected in the real NFL where they realize that they don't need to overpay for a guy that can just hit the hole. Maybe like a fraction of a second less than somebody else. They can still get the job done. Whereas the skills that it takes not only to be as tall and, um, you know as a as a red zone red zone threat like Bryant, but also just the ability to you know run routes and you know all that kind of stuff that and, and learn the plays and all that kind of stuff i mean that's, that's a unique skill that takes some training and that's why we see sometimes wide receivers take two or three years before they're they're pretty good although that that arc seems to be kind of shortening um more and more as the nfl gets more and more wide receiver friendly all right well, let's switch to wide receiver rankings as long as we're on the subject but before we do that let's just have one more uh shout out to our sponsor here uh, Yahoo fantasy football with Yahoo fantasy football. There are endless ways to feel the wins each week, whether it's a winning uh, waiver claim, a winning piece of smack talk or actually winning on the field. It's football in it's funniest, best form and where there's no such thing as excessive celebration. Yahoo fantasy football feel the wins. Yahoo fantasy football is free to play and easy on desktop or mobile with the Yahoo fantasy sports app. Sign up today at rotowire.com slash Yahoo. Yahoo fantasy sports app has been rated number one by the fantasy sports trade association three years in a row. It's got in depth, uh, player and matchup analysis to help you fine-tune your roster each week. The app is just as extensive as the desktop experience, allowing you to draft, trade, and comb waivers right from your phone. Uh, switch to the Yahoo, where you can manage your league uh, dues for free. Uh, it's a pretty, uh, it's a cool new feature that I've, I've checked out for some of my leagues. Uh, the Yahoo Fantasy app messenger allows all the witty banner and smack talk uh, your league can muster. So if you're not on Yahoo, give it a shot. A couple new features, The apps are absolutely good. I, I certainly use it for uh, several of my leagues, so highly recommended. All right, we'll switch over to wide receiver rankings. Uh, we touched on it a little bit. We've kind of gone through a lot of them. Uh, you know, PPR format here. You got Brown, Beckham, Jones, Green, Evans, Jordy Nelson, Des Bryant. Talked about all those. Then Michael Thomas, Brandon Cooks, Amari Cooper, and then Hilton, who you've said you've downgraded a little bit, and then Doug Baldwin. That's your top 12. Um, I mean, like one guy I think that you've been talking about that's kind of creeping up on you, at least you're taking a lot of uh, shots on, is Brandon Cooks. I mean, if you think that Tom Brady's going to have this historic 50 touchdown season, is he where the upside, equally as much where the upside lies with the Patriots?
1: Yes, I think so, given the skill set and given how the Patriots operate. A lot of people think, well, there's no way Cooks is going to be huge because Julian Edelman will get 150 targets and Gronk will get 120, and then their backs will get, you know, a few of them will get 60, 70 each, and then you got, you know, Dwayne Allen and you've got Chris Hogan and Malcolm Mitchell. There's only 100 targets there for Cooks. And if so, then Cooks will be basically Deshaun Jackson. And I agree with that. I think that's the floor, is Deshaun Jackson, you know, sort of that 1,000-yard, 100-target, seven-touchdown type of guy. But let's look at the ceiling, right? Let's say Cooks, running those short routes that Brady likes to get rid of the ball so quickly, is way better than Edelman. And I think he is better than Edelman. He's 23. He runs a four three three forty. 40 Edelman is 31 and runs a 4-5-something-40, right? So Cooks is just so much quicker and faster and athletic, more athletic than Edelman. You really think the Patriots going to say, oh, no, 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 it's Edelman. He's been with us. We won two Super Bowls with him. we got to get him his targets. He's owed the targets. Is that how the Patriots operate? No, it's not. That's how a lot of teams operate, but not the Patriots. If Edelman has to return punts and play safety, I'm kidding about the safety, though. He did that five years ago, six years ago. But if he has to return punts and get 80 targets, then he'll return punts and get 80 targets. The Patriots will do what works. And if Cooks is just better, he's going to get the targets. And in preseason, he's looked great. And I think there's a real chance that Cooks gets 140 plus targets and if they're Tom Brady targets with Cooks' skill set add, you know, think 10 yards a target and you got up 1400 yards right there and then throw in 10 touchdowns. I mean, this guy could be Antonio Brown if he gets the, the targets that Antonio Brown gets and I think there's a real chance that happens.
2: Now, Des Bryant, I mean, how, how does the Zeke being suspended impact him? Is he, you know, is he going to get more looks? Are they going to have more of the passing game? Did you did you upgrade him?
1: I did not upgrade him. Um, I was high on Bryant because he and Dak really clicked. Once Des was healthy, Des got like something like eight touchdowns in eight games. I mean, not including Week 17 where he played like two snaps. Uh, he really took off. He had a good game against the uh, Packers in the playoff game. I think he had two touchdowns. The thing with Des though that started to worry me, and I'm, I don't want to overweight this, but Des plays like the worst slate of cornerbacks in the NFL this year. He gets Janoris Jenkins twice to the Giants, who played at a Pro Bowl level. He gets Josh Norman twice. He gets the Broncos, uh, in week two. Um, he gets, uh, Patrick Peterson in week three. So, you know, you, you want to talk about early season, he's getting Jenkins and then I keep to and Chris Harris and then Patrick Peterson, the first three weeks of the season. So, you know, that's, can he overcome that? Maybe he hasn't had a great track record playing against elite cornerbacks. Then again, he's been hurt a lot recently and was acclimating to a new quarterback. But I'm I'm a little on the fence on Dez.
2: So I, I'm definitely warming up to him, especially non-PPR. I mean, look at his last three seasons of 16 full games, and I realize health is a huge faster, but huge factor. Touchdowns, those three seasons. 12 touchdowns, 13 touchdowns, 16 touchdowns. I mean, that's certainly yep. darn a feeling. So, um, you know, the volume may not be there, but I just wonder if he's going to be more the guy, especially for the first six weeks. Um, and, you know, maybe that rhythm just keeps going. So,
1: Well, also their D is bad, and they have suspensions and injuries to it, too. So... If their D is as bad as projected, you know, they may want to run McFadden, but they may end up throwing a lot and Dez may get the volume yet.
2: Yeah. Okay, so wide receiver. Let's let's say that you switch gears, you're taking a bunch of running backs, you're trying to pick off those mid-tier wide receivers to cobble together a decent wide receiver core. Who are you looking for then?
1: Yeah, I've been landing on John Brown in, like, every draft. I just think John Brown is – he was compared to T.Y. Hilton and Marvin Harrison two years ago, and he had a year where he was sick. They seem to have at least temporarily treated his illness, and he seems like himself again. So I think he's being mispriced based on sort of a vague illness that people don't understand. Um, I also have found myself landing on uh, Tyrell Williams quite a bit. He was very efficient, very good last year. Mike Williams looks like he's out till at least October, maybe the whole year. Um, Keenan Allen's always hurt. I think Tyrell Williams is a good investment. Adam Thielen has been slipping. It's your guy, Pete. He was very efficient and good last year. Stephon Diggs is there, and people are drafting him like he's way better than Thielen. But last year, Thielen was actually better. So I don't really I have him kind of closely ranked, but push come to shove, give me the guy who was actually better last year.
2: Yeah, I, I mean Thielen just improved every year. He runs every route. I, you know, I just I just think that he's the better value, right? Because I think he he could easily be the number one receiver there. Although, you know, I, I'm not super high on the on the Vikings offense, but somebody's got to get the targets. They're probably going to be throwing the ball a lot. Um so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't like being in that credit. This is why I start like starting out with top wide receivers, because, you know, boy, these, when you talk about mid-tier wide receivers here, they're just, uh, there's a lot of warts. You know, there's a lot of things I don't really like, you know, but I mean, I, you know, I like Randall Cobb. He goes super cheap in a bunch of leagues. I'm not saying he's going to be good, but he, you know, he was great, good at the end of the last season. He could easily be the number two guy in the top offense in the NFL. And I know that everyone's really down on him, but. Who knows? I mean, I also like Devonte Adams. I mean, he's another guy. Um, but he's not cheap. Devonte
1: Adams is expensive. I know he's not
2: cheap, but he's you know he's definitely that if I'm if I'm getting pushed pushed out of the you know first you know first tier or second tier and he's kind of borderline second tier I would say of, of wide receivers um he's someone I definitely look at. I mean, he could easily be the number one receiver on the number one wide receiver offense in, in the league. I mean, I know Jordy Nelson. I mean, you know, it's probably going to always be that guy, but it's not inconceivable that he could be just a tad below that. And so he's another guy that I that I've you know had on a, on a bunch of rosters. I think I got him in the fourth round in the Vegas league, which is a non PPR league, which is a little bit of a slip. But it was like I was fine going wide receiver, four wide receivers. You know, taking him there because you could start him with the flex player. Um, yeah, those are some of the middle ones. What about what about your late? You know, going late. You know, what, what are your kind of your late
1: picks? Yeah, I mean the the problem. There's no good late wide receivers. You know, I mean that's the thing because. You're just hoping for to get lucky, and then you never know when to start him. But Kenny Galladay just blew up the other day. He's going to get a little more expensive. Two touchdowns in the preseason. The Lions don't really have a red zone guy. They were thinking it might be Ebron, he's already hurt. So Galladay's kind of interesting. I really liked Marquise Lee, but he got hurt now, and he's now iffy for Week One. So I'm going to sort of I sort of downgrade him and cross him off my mental list. Um, I like John Ross. Looks like he's fully practicing. They got they took him like top five pick, top seven pick, and. You know, again, 4 um, 2 you know, when, when a lot of those guys who get taken in the early first round at receiver, they get eight, nine hundred yards, six, seven touchdowns their rookie year. They use those guys. And I'm not sure, you know, um, Brandon LaFell or um, what's his name, um, Tyler Boyd is a serious impediment. So I kind of like John Ross late. Um, I've been sort of throwing a dart at Devin Funches now and then. Um, you know, one of the Jets receivers, like Ardarius Stewart, someone's going to catch passes there. I did like Anunua a little bit before he went out for the year. So those are just a handful of guys I'm getting. But again, I don't really, you know, Brashad Perriman is more expensive, but I do like him. Corey Davis. I just like guys with the physical tools to have upside. Kevin White, even though he looks like he's not really a football player, just an athlete, I'll, I'll take a shot at him. But receivers are so tough because even if you are right about them, you might your timing might be off. There was one year I loved Miles Austin, and – uh and i drafted him as a reserve and he did nothing for four weeks so i cut him when i had a bye week and the next week someone picked him up and he went off and he was like the number two receiver the rest of the season and so it's just very hard to time those guys um they have to be good right away and stay good like michael thomas last year or something otherwise uh you're you're probably not going to use them in a lot of their big weeks and you're probably just going to drop them actually before you even get to use them
2: yeah i mean when you take uh wide receivers early in the draft you get the you, you get the mental piece of being able to just you know stick them in each line and not just second guess yourself all season long when you are trying to mix and match wide receivers. Um, I, you know, Alan, What about Alan Hearns? I mean, you know, if it, it, he's it was only what two years ago. I mean, I know you know Bortles is terrible or whatever, or that's a big you know part of it. But he's a thousand yard receiver, ten touchdowns.
1: And- uh, I am out on Hearns unless unless Lee's ankle injury. I mean, it turns out he's kind of like week to week. I think Lee passed him in terms of like who's the guy they want to get the ball to um And then you have Allen robson there's kind of a target hog, and now they want to run the ball and play defense. So I was kind of out on Hearn's, but if, if Lee were hurt or fournette's banged up and they can't run the ball, then then Hearn's would be back in play.
2: Yeah, the other guy, like I do like Moncrief. I know that you you know you, you downplayed him earlier in, in in the podcast, but yeah, I mean hurt last year, it's a shoulder injury. You know he should be fine, although he kind of dinged up his shoulder, his opposite shoulder uh, this preseason, but. You know, seven touchdowns in nine games. If Luck's coming back, his va- his price is. Let's see, he was going for in the sixth round earlier in in the in the preseason, uh, in the summer in July. Now he's down to the eighth round. I'm sure he's going to keep falling. I, I like him. Just give me the number two target in in, in Luck's Luck's uh, passing game if Luck's healthy, and, and I think he could have he could have a good season. So I own him on a lot of rosters. I'll keep buying. I'm I'm a believer.
1: Um, I just I don't know who it's going to be. Right? Let's say the Colts D is awful. Luck comes back week one or two, gets 600 attempts. And it's a passing game you want a piece of. I mean, are you really buying Jack Doyle? You know, Eric Swoop? I mean, who is it, right? I mean, everyone thinks it's got to be Moncrief because there's just no one else after Hilton. But, you know, could Philip Dorsett have a pulse? Could he reemerge at some point? You know, Kamar Aiken? I I just don't know. I I feel like luck could have a big year, and then somebody has to beat on the other side of those passes besides Hilton. But I just can't, I I don't want to just take Moncrief just because I can't figure out who else that would be.
2: Yeah, I think Moncrief. To me, and I've seen it. He, he's had, he's been inconsistent, but he's had flashes, right? So I think that I think he could put he could put it together if it all works out. Um, we touched on tight ends. Let's switch over to tight end rankings. Um, you know, usually most years it's kind of like go Gronk or go home, right? And don't don't take anybody at the top of the tight end. Is is that how it's panning out this year?
1: I mean, it's Kelsey and Gronk, and then wait forever, or are you just waiting for no. the tight ends? No, I, I love Jimmy Graham. I, I think Jimmy Graham, I've got a lot of shares and. I almost think, you know, I have Kelsey first in PP, full PPR just because he's going to get so many targets. But in non PPR, I could see taking Graham over Kelsey uh, and just, just under Grock. I mean, Graham lost 20 pounds. He says he feels so healthy finally from his uh, very serious knee injury at had a couple of years ago. He was good in the second half last year. They're saying that, they, you know, Daryl Bevel says he wants to get more red zone looks to Graham. If you look at the other Seahawks receivers, it's like Baldwin, Lockett, Paul Richardson just got banged up. They're like 5'10. You know, Jermaine Kearse is six feet six one, and he sucks. There is no red zone target there except Graham. Graham is six seven. He scored sixteen touchdowns one year for the Saints. I think Graham is going to have a big year. Graham is probably a top five all time receiving tight end. Can't block either, which is good. Um, he's just out there to to run routes and catch touchdowns. I just think he, he almost can't fail if he's healthy with Russell Wilson as his QB. The other guy I'm really high on, and I'm higher than everybody else, is Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry. I think he led the league in, with eight touchdowns last year, despite having like 50 targets. I want to look at the exact numbers. He tied with, I think, Cameron Braid for eight touchdowns on 53 targets. Okay, Rookie tight ends almost never do anything. This guy got nine yards a target and eight touchdowns on, four, on 53 targets, was excellent as a rookie. And last year they had the, the problem that Gates was there and they needed to get Gates the record and there was all this stuff. Gates is still there, but he's 36. I think he's pretty much done you already lost Mike Williams, the other big red zone guy. Keenan Allen's injury-prone. Philip Rivers is a good QB. The rapport supposedly is really good between him and, and Henry in camp. I love Hunter Henry. I, I feel like if he stays healthy, he almost can't fail either.
2: Yeah, so your rankings are Kelsey, Gronk, Graham, Olsen, Reed, Hunter Henry you mentioned, Kyle Rudolph, Zach Ertz, Tyler Eifert, Marcellus Bennett, Um. Ertz. I mean, with the trade, you know, is he gonna, you know, is, you know, with, the, with them getting, is he gonna get more more love there? or You think it just doesn't impact his value at all?
1: Uh, I don't think so. It, you know, it's funny about Ertz is like he was really a bust last year. He got he went thirteen for one thirty nine and two TDs in week seventeen. Right, so take that away from his season long stats. Now, he only had two TDs all year besides that. Yeah, and I think and, the second
2: and, year in a row he was like a playoff monster and kind of regular season nothing. Yeah, games. well
1: he wasn't. You know, only if your playoff counted week seventeen <laughs> was he a playoff monster. and He went two for thirty three the week before, so you you could have been forgiven for benching him for some random guy. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, Ertz, you know, he's had enough of a body work the last three years to to you know put him in the top ten, but I, I'm never excited to draft him.
2: Yeah, me, me, me neither. It, he always there always seems to be way more buzz than actual production, and I don't know if it's going to necessarily change this year. Um, yeah, I found myself waiting on tight ends a lot, not paying up for the big guys, and and kind of being pretty happy with what I an, ended up with. Jack Doyle, you talked about him before. his other players improved every year. If luck's back, I think he's you know I think he could take another take another leap. Um, I'm fine with you know going with a guy like Austin Hooper in Atlanta, who I think you know, could, you know similarly could see his his role grow. There's there's just a lot of tight ends that I don't mind. You know, sort of picking among the bargain pins at the end of the draft.
1: I mean, the fact that everyone only needs one tight end, and if you have a good one, you're not really looking for a second, unless it's a deep league like NFFC where people do stash multiple ones, Um, you'll find one. I, I like Hooper's upside a lot. I mean, his floor is zero. His floor is not guaranteed at all. But the ceiling is really high when you think that Muhammad Sanu, Taylor Gabriel weighs 150 pounds. I mean, there's really nobody after Julio Jones in that offense. And you have Matt Ryan as the QB um there there's a lot of upside if, if hooper can emerge
2: yeah so uh the other guy and eric's with the colts i if luck is healthy he's my super super sleeper but uh we'll see only two tight end uh, leagues uh you know is he really warranted maybe he'll be the guy that emerges from the colts offensive moncrief is a huge bust let's go two tight ends all the time um all right well then what about and then kicker wise we're you know we don't spend a lot of time on anything besides those big four positions but you know, you've kickers got a kicker, big. You got a kicker strategy this year. I think every league I've been in with, you've taken the greatest kicker of all time, right?
1: Yeah, it was dumb, actually, in the stake league because the scoring, I didn't I thought about it afterward, is not uh, that friendly to kickers. But if you're in those 3-4-5 scoring, which seems standard these days, 3 for a 30, 4 for a 45 for a 50-yard field goal, uh, I think Tucker is worth, you know, when you get in the 13th round, go ahead and take him. I mean, yeah, you're passing on one of the many sleeper running backs, another of which will be there the next round in the next round. But you're getting a guy that not only kicks, you know, 35, 37 field goals a year. He almost never misses. He's always doing from long distance. I think he was 11 for 11 or 10 from 10 from 50 plus last year. And the team plays around his skills. They know they have the greatest kicker of all time. When it's fourth and seven at the 37 yard line, they're not going for it. They're not punting. They're kicking the field goal. You know, a lot of teams just aren't going to try a 56 yard field goal. So um, that is something that is a big advantage, and and I think I think he's worth it. I think Tucker's worth it.
2: Yeah, my kind of If you look at if you look at experts and ADP and rankings and all that kind of stuff on kickers, I mean they're terrible, and it's just like
1: there's just no. But that, but that does not prove that 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 does to say uh, this is a fallacy that's common. It's saying like on average, this is the case, right? Like on average, nobody can predict kickers. I say that's true. Okay. But at the extremes, that's that's what you got to look at. You know, on average, you know, human beings are more or less all about six feet, you know, men, you know, but like fine on average. But like there's still seven footers and four footers. You know, I mean, like there are extremes that don't that are so far from what the average says. And I think that if you're dealing with the greatest kicker of all time on a team that's going to try the most field goals in the league, you can't look at what on average, you know, people's track records are.
2: Yeah, that's true, but I would say it's even. I would even argue that it's even if you took like the top three kickers. You know, where do the experts? You know, you know, are they able to? How about top one?
1: Top one? Sometimes even. I mean,
2: Guskowski. Sometimes is every year supposed to be the greatest kicker ever, but
1: what did he? Well, Guskowski. Well, Gus. Well, he did fine last year. Guskowski. If you drafted him, you know, a few rounds early, that would have paid off. Yeah, the last year,
2: few years. Yeah, most years it wasn't, but like, I forget where he ranked last year. I have
1: to do some math, but you know, it didn't. It didn't. I, it didn't end up paying off. But nevertheless, Koskowski, he, he had he, he only had twenty seven field goals, which is a, a little bit above average, but not much. But he had um well he had forty six extra points. He was good. He, you're right. He probably didn't. He probably wasn't worth taking in the fourteenth round or something. Yeah, I mean he finished um, in the
2: top like three kickers every year, and it was just like it's a no brainer. You can take him every year, and then last year he didn't. I mean, so it's like right.
1: But I mean, look, he had a, he had a four year run where he definitely belonged in the top kickers, if not the top. And I mean. What running back has a four-year run? What what wide receiver has a four-year run? I mean, yeah, he one year he finally didn't pin out. Now I know there's much less reward for taking Gus, for being right about Guskowski than a running back, but you're also paying a 14th round price in terms of reaching for him, whereas you're paying a first round price if you reach for the wrong running back.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not advocating taking the, the uh, Tucker in like the eighth round or something like that. So you know. No,
1: I, I think I but I think 12, 13. When you start to get to the point where those backup running backs are kind of fungible and you have a list of 12 of them all of whom you just want a bunch. You know, you just want a few of those guys so if any one of them pans out, whether it's Jalen Richard or DeAndre Washington or Jeremy McNichols, and they're, they're all basically the same. Um, and go ahead and take Tucker. And, and I, I think is the second one and, and has a little bit of a reason. I know he was a little down last year, but better in the second half. And the Patriots are one of those rare teams where you know you're going to get a floor of 50 extra points. So, you know, that's just something also. But But Tucker's the guy I'm really going after.
2: Yeah, and... Just don't reflexively in your drafts, you know, at the end of the draft, you run out of names, so you just start taking the kickers and defense. No. Take, take. you know, the widers. Take the long shots. You know, it's to me, it's worth it. If you've got some theory like you do on certain kicker or defense, fine. You know, go with your hunch. You know, if you've done your research, it's worthwhile. You're not taking them in the seventh round. You're talking about, you know, the last few picks of your draft it makes sense. But, you know, my thing is always to new to to. to beginners and even more veterans just you know when you run out of names in your cheat sheet don't just say fine screw it i'll take the uh you know whatever top defense or kicker is it's still not worth it it's, it's always better to go um you know go with an extra guy that could pay off massively if you get a backup running back like we've talked about in the running back section so take that,
1: the defense or kicker
2: yeah so that's it uh okay so that's it for pretty much for our rankings we kind of recapped everything um any other any other advice really for you know based on the draft season or just generally to people who are about yeah. their teams
1: my biggest advice is don't Worry about ADP. Don't worry about where a guy slot. Don't worry about what other people think. Right. Most of you guys who are listening to this are not total beginners. And most of you guys have played for a few years. It's 2017. It's not 1998. And you know football pretty well. Take the guy you want to take. Don't don't think that because this guy's ADP is somewhere in the third round that late second is an unacceptable point to take him, even if he's by far your best player in your mind and your opinion on the board. Don't let the market limit the scope of what's permissible in your draft. Take the guys you want to take. That's what I would say. It's fantasy football. It's supposed to be fun. You know, Don't be just a ridiculous homer and take picks way, way ahead just because they're on your favorite team. But if, if your pick is based on your own observations as a football fan and fantasy owner from previous seasons and what you've read, go ahead and take the guy you want. I, I cannot strongly emphasize that enough.
2: Yeah, I agree. The phrase you don't want to – really ever utter in fantasy football is I, I had to take him. I felt like I had to take him. He was there. Right. He was like, no, you don't have to take him. Take who you want to take him. Mean, you'll feel much better about your team. And from my experience, it usually pays off. All right, that's it. Thanks, so we get, thanks again to our uh, sponsor, uh, Yahoo Fantasy Football. Go try him out. Uh, rotowire.com slash yahoo. Uh, definitely highly recommended. And let's maybe we'll try and do this one more time in the preseason, but hopefully helped out with your drafts. All right.